Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 on the Seattle Sports app. Rob Ensley to my left. Bob Buchanan, the mad tackle scientist from bow-mac.com. Matt Nelson running the board. Joey Pyburn is out. It's the No Joe Show. He is back. Imagine driving East. to South Dakota right now. It's Dude. snow oh. from here all the way to South Dakota. He's Fesnant back there with some good friends of ours. Great group of guys going, but uh, that's a hell of a drive right now. With oh, all the boy. snow hitting the Midwest and, and our neck of the woods. Text toy is 206-421-3776. Uh, we've got from the 206... Rob Richard from Kenmore, Robbo. Any idea what WDF's going to do for Marine Area 10 Blackmouth three days a week, maybe? Mm-hmm. Kind of haven't mm-hmm. had those discussions just yet. Probably as we get a little closer. Uh, it's going to be something like that. Test yeah. test yeah, fishing sure. uh, test fishing data I, will probably you know establish the CPUE by which we will uh, we'll kind of figure out you know what kind of effort we're going to have. Yeah, they, they. I believe we consider Friday, Saturday, Sunday, weekend days, three days, and depending on what we did last year, uh, they could work on the other side of the weekend. Could be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or yeah, but Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Friday. I see three just, days a week just to spread the the effort out a little yeah, bit. But yeah. uh, also got a, a text here about the oysters right now. Are they affected by demoic acid? They are, but this time of year. The winter months, any month with an R in it, generally they're good. You never, never want to check the Red Tide hotline, but, man, oysters yeah. this time of year are just primo. That cold water firms them up. They're they're really good eating this time of year. So uh, we've been talking about crabbing a little bit, Bob. We've got great crabbing in the sound right now. Um, you know, run us through the rig and drill on the on these crab pots. You've got the full setup at SMI from the sea links to the buoys to the crush Jason coiler to everything, man. Run us through the entire drill from the coiler all the way to the buoys right down to how much bait you put in your pot and where you throw them. I mean, well, I've, I've heard of the attention to detail, but I never really thought about taking a spark plug gapper to my crab. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting things you can do there, and we are making a, a real short um, – video when i say short five minutes or so that that runs from the all the way from from stretching out the lines in the back of the warehouse to getting the crab out of the shell and uh and everything in between so that that'll be kind of informative and and follow it along we got some edit work and some things like that to do but it 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 starts with getting your line ready and out on that coiler to to make it, and and in doing so, you know, we we all see the package that this rope comes in, and you got to get it out. You can't just take that coil of rope you buy at the store and start uncoiling it. And we tried that one day at oh, Sitka. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's a pain in the butt. So you got to get it out, get it on that coiler, get your sealings attached to it, or get something that already has pre-sealing up and uh, get that laid out, get it on your coiler, understand what depths you're going to be at. And uh, we, as a general rule, will take uh, 100-foot shots, and then we will have a small coiler that has got a set of 50-foot shots on it. So let's say the crab sneak from 85 out to 125 or so, and you have to get to them, you can sealing snap 
a 50 footer right on and peel it off that coiler. That way you're not laying down two, 300 feet of line in shallow water and tangling it. And it never, it it never hurts to, to kind of remind folks what the C link is. And to me, this, that, that C link device is absolutely the backbone to the modular concept that you have in building these crab float and line systems. And basically, if you picture in your mind the letter C, and then you take another C that's backwards, well, what do you have? You have these two little gaps, right, that are facing each other. And you turn these things perpendicular to each other, and they link together. Slip them together. Slip them together. So there's no need to tie anything. Yeah, no no knots. You've done all that, and you're done for the season. And Mm -hmm. uh, the coiler keeps everything nice and straight. You can attach those C-links to your current harness you have or get a, a harness that already comes rigged with a ceiling. The advantage to this system is not only can you unsnap your crab floats or your crab pots from that end, but you can also put two shots of line together should you need to go deeper. Correct. Correct. So your system is is flexible. You, you, you don't tie ropes or nothing when you're out there on the water. And the advantage that, that I'd never anticipated to this system is speed. Because when you leave a shot of crab line in a pot and you let it sit for a while, then you move it back to the boat, you tumble that pot, you move it around the garage, move it around the garage, whatever, and the gremlins get in there and tie knots in those shots. Yeah. And then you have a problem. Yeah. You get dropped and you're hanging over the side saying, honey, honey, I, I need some more rope. I need some help here because you've got 20 feet uh, yeah. involved yeah. in a tangle up. And mm-hmm. so, so you, you've got all that done. You've got, you've got your pot, uh, uh, you got the harness on it. You got your bait cage wired to the bottom already, and you've got hanging in there a scent tube or something. And we take our gear and pin it the night before, so you got bait pins and everything, or you got the bag stuffed, and you got it all in one little cooler that'll Deadliest you can wash style, the man. mess up. Bags are already stuffed. Hang them in there, and yep. off you go. And off and off you go. And we do that every day. So tonight, today on the way out, we'll chop bait and and stuff bags, and we'll have a set of bags that are in the trap that will come out and a new bag will go in. So we always have a double set just like pins or anything else you've, you've got. Yeah, it used to be you to had go. to make your own harness, rig yeah. it up on the pot, and it wasn't that hard, but you had to Mickey Mouse around with it a little bit. And sure enough, one side would be longer than the other, and you'd have, you'd, the thing would be off balance. But now you've got the harnesses, you've got everything, you just buy the whole system, very affordable. Uh, if you need more weight, you guys have weights that zip tie right into the bottom of the pots. They're plastic coated. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about oxidation. Um, I mean, and you've got a wide range of pots. You got everything covered from from yeah. just a, a a very affordable pot to some of the big stuff that isn't going anywhere. If so. if we know we're gonna we're gonna check it that day, we'll we'll get a quick soaker out there. If it's gonna sit out a day or two, we'll drop the a long soaker with a tunneled pot. Yeah, one of the things that that we've learned over the years from watching underwater videos of these pots is some of the doors are really light on these things, so they hit the bottom. And then the current blows the doors open. The current and can you, blow it open or a piece of seaweed yeah. or something grabbing that door gets and getting on there. open. And so. just the drag from the current will blow those doors open. And then the crab just kind of come and go as they please. But you've even got little weights on those doors so it keeps the doors we've down. Got, we've got weighted doors you can use. And the other trick, the old-timers trick, is what they call a trigger. You just get the right size rubber band and you stretch it around that. And they, they have to work a little to get it open. But when you drop the pot... It doesn't open up and won't catch in your bait bag. And when it's down there in the current, it won't open up. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember Bob's theorem? Bob Bomax. The current? His, the, his, the, his, the current his, ratio? No, no, deal? this is a different. The, the, the amount of crab in your pot is a function of the distance 
between the gate and the bait. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. You gotta. Yeah. You've gotta. Um, you gotta have that space in there because if 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 you especially when you got the big ones down there because if a big boy parks his lard bottom right in front of your gate and he parks his Harley Davidson right there in the center of the and, is, and is eating <laughs> yeah. and uh, another guy comes along and wants to get in it ain't going to happen so you try to put your your head or your bait bag or something that uh, is going to be hanging from there you try to hang it uh, in a corner versus a side and so that they can come in and and you put it somewhere where they cannot feed from the outside of the trap because once they get a hold of it they'll pull that salmon head clear up to the top and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're coming up and you got two yeah. riders yeah and they've yeah. eaten the nose off your chum head yeah for sure because <laughs> yeah. that's all they can get to yeah well, what, what's the attraction um aspect to having a whole bunch of crab in the pot feeding what what happens it's it well it's a teeth they, their teeth get in there and they're, they're just like a, a giant set of scissors or a, for them it's a it's a Two big teeth going back and forth, back and forth, and it sounds much like a paper cutter going off under there to them, and that signals, "Hey, there's the something bite, good the, over the, here." The bite's on. If they can't smell yeah. it, they know they eat, and they can hear the silverware and the dishes mm-hmm. clanging, and they get over there to to get in there, and so, uh, they're eating. It's time to get in there. But yeah. if they're in there and they're not eating, they're not coming. And we're finding that with our bait this year that we got to be mm-hmm. fresh and we got to be good. And then the other aspect to that is, you know, every now and then Joey and I'll hang a downrigger ball on on a commercial pot that, that's mm-hmm. been down there a while the bait is gone but it just seems like there, there's still a bunch of crab in there because they'll a, a bunch of crab in a pot will kind of pull other crab in we'll there especially in, in commercial gear and what? so that's and that's that's why but it's, that's why we got to get those derelict pots out bingo. of there yeah exactly so some right. of those crabs that you lose that don't have the cotton rot cord mesh panels in them you know, or are they go down there and they keep on fishing, and 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 it's a tremendous waste of the resource. Um, from the four two five, we got somebody asking. Okay, wait a minute. You never really covered what the what the spark plug gapper thing is. <laughs> the, the spark. Plug, we'll get to that. The spark yeah. plug gapper. You know, we're talking about these sealings that fit together that are the backbone of your modular crab system. But if you use them a bunch. They can change their shape or wear. They can wear. They can they can get stretched out. For instance, if you've snagged that pot up and you put a little stress on it, uh, getting up, yeah, you know, and over times, over years, over years of use, they they the will open up and the get the gap up, will get a little yeah. bigger, which increases. Yeah. You know, like I said, if if you ever lose one on the ceiling, go buy a lottery ticket. Yeah, because your chances are probably better on the lottery ticket than those things coming yeah. apart. So, yeah. so when you get them, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to spend fifty cents, get a, yeah. you know, spend a buck, whatever, get a get a uh, spark plug gapper, mm. and see what the gap is on a good just, tight fit, and then just stick them in your vice at home and depending on what size up. you get, yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you take a look at them, like that, that's one of the things you'll do when you put your gear away at the end of the year. You go through it and do the cleanup maintenance and. And I'll take each one of those things and stick it in the vise and throw that little gapper to it and maybe turn it a partial crank and close those gaps just a hair. I don't think most people get them use together. them enough or pull on them enough to they even They don't. The chances matter. are. I mean, it, it takes this five, is six, be eight years The person to that do it. crabs every day of the season and hangs their pots yeah. up all the time. And yeah, that'd be this guy right yeah. here. But uh-huh. the, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, when I first got them, I bought them from a, a domestic maker. Mm-hmm. And they were nine bucks a piece at the hardware store. Oof. Yeah. And you start putting, you know, you got one on your harness, you got one on each end of your line, one on your float system. Before you know it, you got more into ceilings than you do your gear. 
Yeah. So so it pays to, to fix them. So, you know, we, yeah. we found them and, and we're able to get them at a more affordable price. But you do anyone's, whoever's you buy. Uh, a black cod fisherman taught me that. He said, you've got to gap these things every year. He said, like, you're hanging your equipment down there. you got to yeah. do the maintenance on it. So yeah. you just simply do it with a vice. It just takes the hassle of, long, of big ropes and breaks it down. And storing the ropes, you leave them on the spools, deploying, you you become so fast yeah. and so seamless. And, and, and it makes the whole crabbing experience more enjoyable. There's a big safety aspect to not having 100 feet of line spooled all over the deck when you got dogs and kids yep. and whatever running around in there. You don't want anybody to get you know their foot tangled in a line. So it's more convenient. It's safer, and it's just a better way to do business, yeah. man, for sure. We love that stuff. All right, coming up next, critically acclaimed award-winning Northwest Outdoor Report right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. The Northwest Outdoor Report is brought to you by Les Schwab Tires, taking your safety seriously for over 70 years. Coastal steelhead seasons were set this past week, and steelheading opportunity looks much the same as last winter out on the coast. With just a few exceptions, anglers will get some late coho opportunity on the hump tulips and Chehalis rivers through December 16th, and that also translates to a little bit of steelhead opportunity as well. After that, though, that's all she wrote for steelhead on those systems. The whole river and Willapa Bay trips will be open December 1st through March 31st under selective gear rules with no fishing from a boat. The Quileute system will have similar regulations to last year, but they'll be expanded boat fishing on the rivers of the Quileute system. It was fish from a boat on the Quileute River itself, on the Salduck below Maxfield Boat Launch, on the Bogusheel River below Mill Creek, that's just above the hatchery there, and on the Kalawa below the Highway 101 Bridge. The Quileute and Quinault Rivers will remain closed until agreements can be made with tribal fishery managers on those systems. Winter steelhead runs on both the Quileute and Quinault Rivers remain critically low. If there is some steelhead opportunity there, it will likely be very limited. Calamari on the menu in the Central Sound. Dennis Farrell, Lotdorm Emporium in Seattle says a squid fishing has been a little slow off the piers in the LA Bay recently. The folks in boats and kayaks have been able to stay on top of the schools in the Bay Arbor and cleaning up on those squid. Dennis said he's heard good reports of good squidding off the piers farther south in Des Moines and Redondo. Well, Tory squid jigs and pinks and greens have been the ticket. Outdoor Emporium in Seattle is all supplies for folks looking to put some calamari on their table this holiday season. WD- WDFW announced this week that Marine Air 11 in the Tacoma area was shut down for winter blackmouth fishing on December 1st. It indicated that the sublegal encounter guideline in Marine Air 11 had been met and further angling pressure would push that number beyond the agreed-to management guidelines. Crabbing still solid, Marine Area 10, and then the Central Sound, Dungeness Dave Johnson with Kitsap Marina in Port Orchard as we're getting limits of those big, fat dungies in Marine Area 10 every day has been out. He's been finding his crab 100 to 150 feet of water, and they're huge right now. Most of the keepers averaging in that 7 to 8-inch range. Season's open seven days a week, Marine 10, through the end of the year with a limit of five dungies a day over six and a quarter inches. There's simply no better time to catch big, meaty Dungeness crab during the winter months in Puget Sound. Be sure to swing by Outdoor Emporium downtown Seattle Day for Customer Appreciation Day. Outdoor Emporium will be serving Dave's famous deep-fried turkey. We'll have smoker demos and samples from the smokehouse as well. There will be a ton of giveaways. Outdoor wraps will be on hand to answer your questions, and you'll find one-day specials on your favorite fishing, hunting, camping, and boating gear. That's Customer Appreciation Day today at Outdoor Emporium in downtown Seattle. And don't forget Sparkle Member Night coming this Tuesday, December 6th for a night full of fun and savings. There'll be a firearm raffle, fire, excuse me, fishing tackle raffles, and gun safe raffle going on all night. Prizes are some of the big name outdoor companies that you come to trust for your outdoor gear. Reps are going to be on hand to answer questions. And Sportco Pro Staffers Jason Brooks, Amy Spoon, Danica Campos, Dave Anderson, the Lock and Load Firearm Training Team, 
Wrangler the Wallaby and even Santa <laughs> himself is going to be there. That's Barco Member Night coming up on Tuesday, December 6th. And stay tuned for Jason Brooks coming up in the next segment. More along those lines, if you're looking for big savings on outdoor gear, the 12 Days of Christmas sale is also underway at Outdoor Emporium in Seattle and Sport Quan 5. You'll find 25% off on footwear, 20% off on boating supplies, 20% off fishing tackle and waders, and 20% off fishing archery gear. Excuse me. There's too many savings to even list here. You'll just have to head to these two great stores and see for yourself. The 12 Days of Christmas sale runs from December 1st through the 12th at Outdoor Emporium in downtown Seattle and Sport Co. in 5. Date set for the Seattle Boat Show. It's not early to start planning your trip to the Seattle Boat Show, the largest boat show on the West Coast, is set for February 3rd through the 11th at Lumen Field Event Center in downtown Seattle. You're going to find hundreds of watercraft on display at the event center, from stand-up paddleboards all the way up to 60-foot cruisers and yachts, everything in between. Experts are going to be daily seminars on boating and fishing. There's hundreds of vendors at the show with nearly every boating accessory imaginable. That's the Seattle Boat Show. Coming up February 3rd through the 11th, get more information online at Seattle Boat Show. Soul Seekers is hosting an educational evening in partnership with Onyx Hunt on December 10th in Muckleteo to discuss the origins of hunting and its importance in our culture. The event starts at 4 p.m. will be held at Straight Sheet Fabrication in Muckleteo. Entry is free and all ages are welcome. There will be food and beverages on hand for purchase as well as raffles, special guest vendors, and a silent auction to raise money for the nonprofit group Blood Origins, The Truth About Hunting. Find more information about this event online at soulseekersnation.com. The Northwest Outdoor Report has been brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Find the best in tires, brakes, wheels, batteries, shock struts, and more at LesSchwab.com. Word on the street is Jason Brooks is still on hold to the Department of Idaho Fish and Wildlife uh, since uh, December 1st. I think he's been on hold. I'm still hot under the collar about that deal. <laughs> what are we I talk- logged in at exactly <laughs> go time, and the whole system crashed. Their whole network crashed over there. I mean, it's just, uh, I'm still upset about that. Anyway, go ahead. Let's grab Jason. I yeah, cheated. Enough about that. Got a tag. Got out of there. Well, I actually didn't get out of here at four in the afternoon. But anyway, Jason Brooks, Carmel Macchiato himself, the Outdoor Line Central Washington correspondent. Joining us next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the RenaissanceMarineGroup.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Weldcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. Well, it's a galoshes day in downtown Seattle, and I wore tennis shoes. My feet are a little bit wet, but that's okay. Because I'm going to put him up. I'm done talking. It is Carmel Macchiato himself, the voice, the man, the myth, Jason Brooks. Good morning, Jason. Who, 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 the, who the Idaho, yeah, the Idaho Department of Fish and Game sent an email out this week apologizing that mm-hmm. Jason Brooks didn't get an Idaho tag this year because he couldn't get online. I, it... I, I, I did. I you did. did. Oh, about, okay. six o'clock, about 6 o'clock, I was able to get both tags <laughs> for my son, Ryan, and myself. But what's really, for, first, I guess we'll talk about this first, is that letter they sent out. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad they sent that out. I'm hoping that's a precursor to them realizing they need to change the system. So, so I was so angry, year, Jason. I'm telling you, it's, I, my face is still red from that whole fiasco. So you, I, I so a, a good friend of mine, uh, Brian Capala, down here in Tacoma. Um, I've never seen this guy mad ever, ever in my entire life. Yeah. And he called yeah. me. I've never heard him say so many words I can't say on the radio. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> out of their out of their group, only two of the six guys got wow. their tank. Mm-hmm. And yeah. luckily, my son and I were able to get ours. And now, here's the thing. My son still has an Idaho hunt yet for this year. He's got a cow elk tag for later this month. That's going to be our fourth 
trip to Idaho this year. Wow, very cool. There are guys. There are guys. Well, there are guys talking now about giving up on Idaho. Yeah. You know, this next summer, buying points from Montana. That point creeps. No, no, don't go there. Don't go to Montana. Montana's closed. What I'm telling you, but what I'm telling you is, hold on. What I'm telling you is, in Wyoming and Colorado, is there are guys giving up on Idaho because of this, and that's a lot of lost revenue in Idaho. I've gone there four times this year, and to have to go through what we had to go through a couple days ago, or yesterday, yeah. was it two days ago? Two days ago? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm still fuming. Thank you for bringing well, that up. No, well, no let's change the subject, because we could talk about this for quite a while here, but we've got no, some... We've no, got some yes. We've got snow on the ground, and it's pretty good upland hunting opportunity right now in eastern Washington. We were just over there hunting waterfowl, and uh, I went walk, took a walk down to the end of the field to kick a bunch of geese out of the end of the field, and I flushed two coveys of quail as I'm walking down there. I'm thinking, oh, man, this would be prime time right now to be out shooting some quail chuckers, you know, maybe some pheasants. What's going on over there, buddy? So, so yes, there, there are this, – this is the prime conditions. Absolutely. The nice thing about this really super cold weather that we have in Shalane, I think it hit 15 degrees yesterday in my hometown, is the birds, especially the quail, as you know, Robert, will hold super tight, which means that, you know, having a dog is great. But growing as a kid, we didn't have a dog, so I relish these days. I would – follow their tracks into the mm-hmm. sagebrush and start kicking brush. And the thing is, is you kick that bush once, a couple of quail flush out. You kick it again, a couple more flush out. So this cold weather really gets those birds holding super tight, which is nice, especially the chucker hunter, because, you know, the chuckers are notorious for laughing at you. You, you hike mm-hmm. through the top of the mountain, you finally get to them. And they, they fly to the it, bottom. You know, yeah. And they fly the ball, and mm-hmm. yeah, they flush at 45 yards, right at the edge of your, you know, your zone. Now they're going to hold a lot tighter. There'll be a little more vocals. The sun comes up. I find chuckers by them laughing at me. That's how I chucker hunt. I just sit and listen. They're a real, real social bird. And so as the sun comes up, you'll hear them cackling out there, and then you can make a game plan to go after them. But I will forewarn the hunters, though, this last spring was not favorable for the upland bird hunter. We had really late hatches. We had really small hatches. So there's not as many birds as there normally is, especially in the quail population. Uh, you know, hold your breath. It might be a good year next year. Quail are so fragile that they can rebound in one year, and they can they can rebound in the summer because they have so many hatches of up to three broods a summer. Um, but this year, with the wet spring that we had and the cold spring we had, clear through June, and all of a sudden it kicked on in July and August where we had the drought conditions starting to kind of really come in and the heat. I don't know how many broods we actually had. I mean, I was talking with my dad, and he was seeing broods clear until September, which means that they're having them really late. Um, but that also means really small and fragile birds. So it's a give, a give and take. You know, it's a catch-22, I guess you could say. You go out there, you find the birds. They're going to be holding tight. You're going to have a good time. But you also might go to your normal spots and not find nearly as many birds. Um, and that can be a little disappointing in itself, too. Um, but on that flip side, on that flip side, now speaking of the the valley there where I grew up, talking to my dad, I got a real quick fishing report for you guys. Uh, Rose's Lake is on fire right now. It's it's crazy. They planted around twelve thousand fish in the last month there. Is all it, good is size. Is it covered fish. in ice? Or is it an ice show or what? Not, not yet. No, not yet. So after yesterday, it's going to start getting that edge ice where you're going to might might have to wait a couple of weeks. But as of three or four days ago, my dad went out there and it only took him 30 minutes to get his limit. In fact, he went there with a buddy of his and in 30 minutes, they both had their limits wow. from the shore, from the shore. And there was no ice yet for me. So kind of the cattails there was now. Yesterday, that 15-degree high, I think it was a low of three. You're going to start getting the ice forming. You're gonna, once that ice starts to form, of course, you've got to wait to be safe. But it's setting itself up for a really, really good ice fishery 
probably by the end of the month, as long as this cold weather continues the way it is. I know it's, it's it was an El Nino year or La Nina. I can't remember which one it is, but it's just to get wetter and uh, warmer weather. But so far, it's been wetter and really cold. So a real quick fishing report for you guys out there. That if you're heading over to the east side or if you're over in the Chelan Valley listening, um, Roses Lake, right now before the ice starts to, to get around the edge, and then wait, and then this this winter – if you go over there for the festivals and all that kind of stuff, if you want to go fishing, try your hand at ice fishing. It should be a really good year this this winter. Jason Brooks joining us this morning and uh, one of the most prolific writers that uh, that uh, that I've ever really known, hung out with, and everything else. You're you're a big fire, you're a big firearm writer, buddy, and 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 some of the some of the latest cartridges that have come out, some of the you know they they there's been such big advancements in. You know, with the PRCs and and with uh, six point eight Western and all that kind of stuff. Yes. So, what are you shooting? What are you writing about? What are you most excited about coming into twenty twenty three? Yeah, this fall I was able to carry a six point eight Western built by Lee Freeman of Oregon Mountain Rifle Company, a good friend of mine, um, and that's going to be featured. That that cartridge is that rifles have been featured in American Shooting Journal. But that cartridge is going to be featured in American Shooting Journal either next issue or the issue after. Um, but the thing, and, and I know that Robbo likes the 6.8 Western, uh, that cartridge, what, what people don't realize is, is where is this coming from? You know, where are these PRCs? Where is this Western coming from? They're shooting standard bullets as far as, as caliber goes. You know, 6.8 is the 270, you know, famous by Jack O'Connor, but you're shooting elongated bullets. So I'm shooting a 170 grain 270 bullet. Now Jack would shoot the 120 Spitzer from uh, Spear there in, in uh, Lewiston and where he was from, um, or he shoot the 130s. Those are great for fast speeds, but you shoot these elongated bullets, you get a higher ballistic coefficient. And not to get too technical for the listeners, but that means how, how does it actually kind of cut through gravity as it flies through the air? How it makes it fly further, flatter, the, you know, the, the flatter, the trajectory, is the ballistic coefficient. It's, it's how does it uh, do a drag with, uh, with the air? The how slippery is it in the air? That's the deal with yeah, that. The, you exactly. see, the, you the, the, the deal with this go. is, not to cut in here, but, but this yes. used to be just the ground you know, for the precision rifle maker, the right. custom rifle right. makers. Now... They've taken a lot of this technology and incorporated it into production rifles. So, so instead of having to go buy a custom rifle for five to ten grand, you get a production rifle with a lot of the same capabilities that these custom rifles used to have. Now, now we've got these production cartridges and the 6.5 PRCs and the 300 PRCs and the 6.8 Westerns, and you get it all in a production rifle for a, like a fraction of the cost. Well, so. and Jack O'Connor used to <laughs> yeah. use the term brush cutter every now or brush buster with a cartridge, which is really a misnomer. Like a Remington. Yeah. 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 And it's really a misnomer. And what the real truth is now is atmosphere cutters with the new yes. cartridges that, that penetrate at range so deeply and yet don't destroy your shoulder when you pull a trigger. Well, and that and also the ethical shot. You know, I, right. I don't like this long range game that people are playing, but but they're playing it. And so at least if you have a cartridge where when you are shooting, you know, for me, 400 yards is still a long shot. And you're talking about the difference now of your rifle dropping the, 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 between 350 and 400. The, the difference is three or four inches versus the old school calibers where that might be a 16 inch difference. And that goes from wounding an animal to you don't even know the difference. And you walk up, look, I shot right on the front shoulder. Yeah, but you were three inches off. How would you know? Um, so that's one good thing about it. You know, and that PRC, you know, Hornady helped develop that PRC for the U.S. military, for the SEAL team, for their snipers. What they, people don't realize that is they teamed up with the U.S. military because the snipers wanted a long-range, hard-hitting round. Well, 
flip that over to elk hunters. So do we. Yeah. So it worked out perfect that 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 that, that Hornady was able to develop that round. Same with the six eight Western. You got Browning behind it. That was a push, the driving force behind this this cartridge. And so now, like like Robo just said, you can get out there and get these bench rest shooting cartridges, these old wildcats they call them, in a commercial rifle and a commercial round that you can start to see it on the, the shelves at the store. You can buy boxes of ammo, and you are shooting a rifle that probably will shoot better than most of most people who can actually shoot in all reality. You can, no, no more blame game, no more yeah, blame. And, and oh, I missed. <laughs> and you you made the statement that you're you're not crazy about this long range game, and I completely understand that. There's an ethical component to your your observation with regard to that stance. However, if you have one of these guns and you have, um, like, we, you shoot the light tactical hunter vortex scope and you practice with it and you understand what MOA is, um, you know, I, I got to go over to Montana with our dear friend Mike McCauley and we were, we were practice, practicing at a range the day before the season where we were shooting out the 900 yards. Then on opening day, he had a bull tag. I did not. Here's a bull standing at 588. And and he got on his on his uh, bipod, and I and I went through the same motions too. I got on mine too, dialed it up, had it all set, and watched him take the shot and watch the bullet hit and everything like that. And, and it was a great drill. But that's the farthest I've ever seen a bullock taken was 588 yards. We had rangefinders. The bull was in one place. We we had time to set up for the shot, which is absolutely key. And that bull went down with one shot. Now the rest of the story of getting him out of there is a whole another <laughs> yeah. story. But 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 yeah. uh, no, it, but it's interesting, and it adds another aspect, a technical well, aspect, because you need to practice with these weapons and understand what MOA is and understand what dialing that scope is all about. And in that is another level of, of complication, but it's also another level of fun and satisfaction, Jason. Well, and, and along those lines, and archery hunters who, who always make this big complaint, you know, they'll practice out to 60, 70 yards, and hopefully they're not taking the shots, but they right. do, they do. That's on them. Bingo. But that makes a 30-yard shot a chip shot. So if you're practicing with your rifle at 900 yards, I don't want to call 588 a chip shot by any means, but 350 is a chip shot. Mm-hmm. Whereas 350 back in the day was, whoa, let's yeah. get out there now, there you know. You go, yeah. So you're absolutely you're absolutely right. We're advancing with technologies. We're moving along. Um, we can get to a whole other segment. A whole other, we can spend two hours on on yeah, why absolutely. people should not shoot long, do shoot long. So that's not that's not the issue. So I'm really glad to see these developments and advancements come along, especially the cartridge world, because you're absolutely right, Nelly. The more you practice with these things, because you don't want to play with it, right? You right. don't want to go to the range. You want to, you want to play. The better shot you're going to be, and I've preached that all along. In order to become a better hunter, you have to practice with your your, your equipment, whether it be you know lacing up your boots and breaking them in, or going to the rifle range and shooting your rifle where you're comfortable with it. The the more that you do these things, the better you'll be. The more successful you'll be, and you know that's that's just hands down given. So. Yeah, the more the more range time you get to spend, there's no question about it. All right, be- yep. before we let you go, you got any got any uh, Rufus Woods or Lake Chelan intel for us at all? Have you heard anything uh, going off uh, for, for, as far as Central Washington goes? Uh, yeah, watch the ice ramps or the uh, the ramps. Boat ramps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest one right now. Bring some chains. Yeah, I yeah, bring some chains. chains. Bring the bring, have bring a the salt or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, no things are things are kicking off. It's a little slow in the report part because it's been so cold. Sure. 
Yeah. That, you know, people aren't just, you know, they're, it's the first real big bitter bite, I guess right. you could say. So give them a week to bundle up and get bored and then go out and go fishing and okay. then you get more reports. Coming in. Hey, what so, about member night Tuesday night at Dennis Bork? Are you going to be down there, buddy? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm going to try to be down there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, my son might, might make it depending on cool. his wrestling schedule. He's got a tournament today. So yes, yeah, so we're not going to be on there today for the big sale, but uh, yeah. uh, Tuesday night, 630 member night. Absolutely. going to be there, Robbo. I hope so. I got to check the basketball schedule that night. We got two kids yeah. playing hoops, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I hope to be yeah. there, man. It's a, it's just a last down there they give away half the store it seems like every year at that deal so hope to see you there tuesday night thanks for coming on buddy and uh, have, have yourself a great rest of the weekend man happy holidays yeah happy holidays guys thank uh, you so much thanks buddy. Uh, jason thanks man talk to you soon also again you know if you're interested in getting involved in hunting or you've got a young hunter that's really interesting next saturday night december 10th log on to soulseekersnation.com and there's a fundraiser in Muckleteo. Once again, soulseekersnation.com. Really worthwhile um, way to spend a Saturday night, unless you got a you know, Christmas party to go to. This could be fun, too. Coming up next, the hottest report heard all week and the techniques you need to succeed. It's Roe Robs and RVs, really? Where? And it's next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. No way. you got to be kidding me. Really? Where? It's coming back from the island of Tinny and Delady. Where'd you get him, man? Hey man, can you tell me where you got them? I'll never put on a nice jacket again. Welcome to RoyRobinsonRV.com's Really? Where? Where? RoyRobinsonRV.com will take you anywhere. Really? It's time to step up to the number one Winnebago dealer in the Pacific Northwest, the all-new Roy Robinson RV Center up at Smoky Point. You're going to find a complete selection of Class A's, Class B's, Super C's, travel trailers, fifth wheelers, toilers, pop-ups, campers, and so much more. You can now get Blue Book Valuation right on their website. Sell or consign your RV with Roy Robinson RV, RoyRobinsonRV.com. Before we get to some crabbing intel, the duck and goose hunting is just hammer time right now. Tom, you and I brought a couple of big old honkers, honkers. home from Eastern Washington. We Kathy, ate one of those things Kathy last was night. was so thrilled. She oh, was so Yeah, I she bet was she was. Actually, we cooked one up last night. It was it was Dude, unbelievable. Really Seared good. it, real yep. real heavy salt and pepper, and then I made a, a bourbon cream sauce to go over top. It was Ooh. like it was really good. Ooh. We hammered that sucker down. But crabbing, you know, we were talking a little crabbing yeah, earlier he, in the he show. Could have brought some of that bourbon cream sauce in, yeah, <laughs> or just the bourbon, or just the right. bourbon, yeah, yeah just the right. bourbon. So uh, bourbon with some Bailey's this morning, maybe for. But hey, that's crabbing. Drive home after that. Let's let's cook some crab, Bob. I mean, nobody catches more crab than you and Tom. Um, you're, you're you're right behind him. Um, how do you guys steam up your crab, man? I got my way of doing it, but how do you guys? How do you guys? I, up your crab? I, it's real simple. I get home, I got everything out front, and I go out back and clean the crab. But before I do that, I mix what I'm doing. I, I know the depth that's got to be in that pot, and I know the amount of salt I got to put in that fresh water, and the amount of Old Bay, and then uh, Ooh, Old how bay. much salt okay, and okay. how much salt and Old Bay I, I throw in there. I, you know, I don't know the gallons, but I'm if I if I've got ten crab, I'm putting in. Uh, a cup and three quarters. If I got twenty crab, I'm I'm putting in double that, and I put a quarter cup of Old Bay. And yeah, I, you gotta I jazz salt it up that pretty water. Good. Yeah. You gotta salt it up. It really you gotta get it in there. The crab, and then good. I touch it off with some what's called uh, Bad Byron's butt rub. Hmm. And that's a, a it's got a little bang to it, and it's got a little salt in it. But I touch that off. It it dirties up the water a little little more than Old Bay will. Hmm. But it's pretty good. And then if I want to get real fancy, I'll dump a bottle of white wine in there. So now you back them. 
I back them break and, and break them in half. I, break I like and to shake. clean them too. Yeah, break and before shake. I throw them in. Yeah, there. and and it depends. Um, Kathy's got a got a dear friend Kimmy that that is Japanese, and she has some amazing recipes. And so every now and then she likes some whole cooked. Sure, but nine times out of ten, I'll do the same thing. Back them, break them, shake them. Um, since I'm always around Puget Sound and we live on the Sound, I'll use bay water. Then I'm the white trash dump a cup or a lid full of Johnny seasoning salt there in that go. water to spike yeah. the already salted bay water, right? Yeah. Now I get my water going to a rolling boil, and those jet boil cookers are just the way to go. They they're, uh, may not have the name of the king cooker. There's, mm-hmm. It's just like a rocket motor. There's a, no more of these weird, um, you know, a lot of part, like almost looks like a stove cooker. Right. These, this is a jet of propane hitting a stainless steel tube that shoots it up. They're loud. They blast like a rocket. But I'm telling you what, there's no moving parts. You'll never wear this thing out. Your whole dog on life, right? They're just a great way to go. Uh, I even dropped mine in the in the bay once and had to had to fish it out rinse, with with a jig. Rinse it off. Rinse it off and and it's still running just great. All right, get that water going with your with you know salted water going yep. to a rolling boil, okay? Yep. Then my clean crab go in there and I usually have, you know, maybe half of the crab covered in water or less, mm-hmm. right? Get it going to roll and boil, drop those clean crab in there and I'm 5 minutes after it returns to a boil. Get them off. I, I go Eat ten. I go ten. I'm ten gotcha. minutes. And, and, 10, and if minutes. you do, you know, ten, ten to twelve, and yeah. it depends if I'm real organized. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, I'm which I'm usually not, but it, it's the cooling time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I try to, I try to get a little ice on it right away. Dude, we eat them hot. I, I dump I them out. Yeah. Well, them hot, I, I dump that hot water out, and then I just stick the garden hose in there and cool them right down there. Yeah. And I, right. I just let the water run for whatever. You well, know? that's interesting because then we're getting to the same place. Yeah, because if yeah. I'm taking mine out at five minutes and not cooling them, they're still cooking. What's the practical difference yeah. well, between it, leaving there in ten and then cooling them? And the other. The other problem is the meat doesn't shake out of that shell good enough if you let them sit there too hot for too long, especially summer crab. For sure. Interesting. Yep. So, I mean, the the optimum way to do it is have a salt water ice bath, if you will, like you, much like you would chill your Chinook on the boat. Uh, If you you have access to it, but most people don't. Most people don't. Shove the garden hose in there and just let it run and cool it down. But if you can take them out when they're just a little bit warm, Tom, like you're talking about, oh oh, boy, that's hammer time. It's just, you know, because I I will have a little garlic butter or maybe a little love loaf going there. Mm -hmm. But, but, boy, straight Dungeness crab. Hot crab. Yeah, especially this time of year. And and it was wonderful because we had, we had so many people from out of town that, that came in, you know, this summer. Greg Sherrill from Sherrill Prop, my Yamaha guys, all these guys that have never really experienced that before. Right. And, and so Joey and I had the crab gear down well in advance of these guys showing up town. You know, 24-hour soak and, and pull the crab up, bring them right back to the dock and eat them right on the dock. It's so funny because these guys have been having fun and catching fish and chattering the whole day. Man, the minute you get that crab up on the dock, silence. <laughs> All you hear is cracking. Oh, wow. They make, you know, animal, oh, yeah. animal yeah. sounds where they're grinding into the crab. But, uh, no, I appreciate you bringing that stuff in. There's no question about it. But it, it is, you know, crabbing and salmon fishing are just two of the quintessential Pacific Northwest things to do. And, and what makes it, you know, one of the things that, that adds to the color and the flavor and the enjoyment of, of, of living here in the Pacific Northwest. And so, but, you know, you, you provide some products for guys, Bob, that, are make the job easier but also 
the crab weights that you have for your crab pots, that's one of the biggest mistakes that folks will make. They'll buy crab gear that it intended by the manufacturer, you, to put weight in it, and they won't put weight in it, and they'll lose their gear. Right. Right, and the, and the places they drop it at, and the, and then somebody stole my gear, and then, yeah, which so, happens, which which does happen, and it has happened, and I've seen it happen, but, but not uh, as often as people lose gear. I right, think. the majority majority of those uh, somebody stole my gears. The far by far the majority of it is the tide. you lost your the tide right. took it away. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, could be a short rope operator air operator could be something. Could, could be yep. could be a light pot. You don't realize you're drifting as fast as you are, and you drift off your spot, and before you know it, mm-hmm. you went off the edge, and you're in 300 feet instead of the the 95 to 120 you thought you were. And that lightweight pot will drift a little ways when you drop sure. it down. If you got some sure. weight in there, phew, it, and you put it, it on a hillside that's bedrock sure. or shale down yeah. there, it's just going to slip and slide yeah. right down the hump. But yeah. you know, there's more than just finding your gear to weight the pot. Pot fish is better when it's st- yeah steady on the bottom, holding still down there and not moving around. Where do you fall in the whole uh, zinc your pot or or, I, or, or the I, aluminum can guy? I I I don't zinc. Gotcha. I sell them too, and I yeah. shouldn't say that because I should say you should go out and buy one. But no, I think if you're I leaving don't. them it, down there a while, you've the got, zincs come in it, handy. You, but you got a good PVC coated pot right. yeah. that doesn't have a lot, and you're not sh- shoving a bare piece of metal in there to yeah, weight it down. You won't need a zinc. Got to get out of here in a little bit. Don't forget to get by Outdoor Emporium today. Customer Appreciation Day down at Outdoor Emporium. A lot of good stuff going on there. Member night at Sportco on Tuesday, December 6th. And also the 12 Days of Christmas sale also happening right now at Outdoor Emporium and Sportco. Tons of stuff on sale. Deep discounts on everything. So get into one of those great stores and pick up something for your loved one for Christmas. You can knock out your entire Christmas shopping right now today at Outdoor Emporium. And get free lunch out of the deal, too, because they got the turkey cookers. That smoked turkey is so good. Amazing. Miss any of the show? Jump on MyNorthwest.com, download the Apple Podcast app, or hit the OutdoorLine.com. Give us a follow on social media at Joe Pyburn, at Rob Ensley. And Thanks for coming in, Bob. You bet. Thanks for having me. At Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram on the Outdoor Line. For Matt Nelson, for Bob Buchanan, Rob Ensley, this is Tom Nelson. This has been the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, and the Seattle Sports app.